Good day and welcome to the Bethel Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Gibbs speaking. Today is Wednesday, March the 25th, and trust that you're having a great day, and uh, so glad you're able to take the time to listen to this while you're working or commuting or um, just whatever you might be up to, and you can hear this podcast today. Just a couple quick things. Trust you're enjoying Pastor Trisha's series on miracles on Sunday morning, and uh, she's just a great preacher. Please continue to pray for me and uh, my son and my mother, and, and my mother has a team of women that are with her as well as we're doing ministry this week in uh, Kisumu, Kenya. We'll be back in a couple weeks. And uh, this coming Sunday, Pastor Trisha will be in the morning uh, finishing her uh, message on miracles. And um, then at night, we have our youth are going to be leading the service, doing worship, uh, Pastor Hannah Dixon is going to be bringing the, the word. So I want to encourage you, don't don't stay home because it's youth or think it's just for youth. This is a service for everyone, and we want to encourage you to be there to encourage our youth and support them. So that's this coming Sunday night. Our podcast today is an interview with Pastor Cho, Joe Sezik of uh, Port Huron Assembly of God, right across the river here, Blue Water Bridge in Port Huron, Michigan. I got to know Joe a couple years back, and we've done some ministry together. He's preached at Bethel. I've preached at his church in Port Huron. And before that, uh, he was uh, he's just been there, I think, three years, something like that. I think he tells us in the podcast. But um, he was in Dearborn before that, and I've preached for him there. And we're going to talk today. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have Joe back just to share his testimony. But today, we're just doing a little conversation with Joe and I on the subject of prayer. And so uh, I hope this is a real blessing to you and encouragement as you hear us discuss this very important life-giving subject of prayer, prayer in the life of the believer, prayer in the life of the church. And so let's listen to that today. I'm really pleased today to have here on our Bethel podcast a dear friend of mine, Pastor Joe Sezik who is currently the lead pastor at Port Huron Assembly of God Church, obviously Port Huron, Michigan. And so, Joe, welcome to our Bethel podcast. Great to be here. Always great to be at Bethel. Yeah. (laughs) So before we get into it, we're going to talk about prayer today, and you're going to share some things the Lord has shown you about prayer. So this is going to be a great podcast. But just a little bit about how we got connected uh, back a few years ago, you showed up here on a Sunday morning. Um, you were attending a hockey tournament, I guess, in town. Yeah. Was this like 2015 or something like that? Maybe? Uh, I think it was 14 or 15. Okay, something like that. And uh, you had heard about Bethel, uh, but never we had never met. Or uh, And uh, you came on a Sunday morning and introduced yourself afterward. And uh, yeah. Um, and then you invited me to come speak at uh, your church, your pastor at the time in Dearborn, right. Assembly of God. So I did one of your Fire in February conferences. Yeah. Yeah. How many know you just don't even have to pray about should you go to a Fire in <laughs> February conference? And, uh, and uh, then uh, a few years later, the Lord opened the door. You felt actually to conclude your time there. And then the Lord opened yes. the door to come to Port Huron. And uh, taking a church that has a great history and a church that uh, was very uh, good in the community and 
church of influence, but had really declined in the last number of years and was at a very low point. And you've taken it over and you've seen some great growth in the few years that you've been there. Was it two years now that you've been or three? Three years. Three Three years. years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, A church that uh, couldn't even afford to have a pastor and you kind of just got some support and went in there and... Yeah, and 25 people. 25 when, people. At the time I spoke there as a guest. Yeah, and now you're about 80 or so, or uh, yeah, we're, yeah, or pushing 100. That's what we're praying for, that big 100 marks. The 100 mark. Okay. <laughs> but you've had some uh, great and great conferences there as well, and a great connection with other pastors in the city of Port Huron. I can't, uh, I've been a few times to the uh, Port Huron Ministerial where they have a prayer time every week. It's one of the most spirit-filled prayer meetings in that pastors from different churches in the city come together once a week and just pray for the needs. I love it because they meet at City Hall in Port Huron, and it's uh, like the fifth or fourth floor or something like that, fourth floor. And when you go into this beautiful conference room uh, that the city, City Hall lets you guys use, uh, it's got these beautiful windows, and it looks over St. Clair and all over Sarnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the view is Sarnia. They're praying for Port Huron, but all they see is Sarnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're praying for the glory we of see, God to come. We see the glory rising over Sarnia at the sunrise. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so what a blessing to uh, be connected with you, Pastor Joe. And... Um, So we're going to get a little bit into your testimony. We might do another podcast with you, just really your testimony about call to ministry, coming to the Lord, and just what you've uh, walked through, the things that you've seen in your your ministry. But we wanted to talk a little bit about prayer today. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know, one thing I know about you is that you have such a heart for prayer. And uh, you guys have regular prayer times. In fact, you started this year with a, a special time of prayer. I was there the Friday night. Every time I'm seeing you on Facebook, you're calling for another time of prayer. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and the prophetic that goes with that, prophetic praying. And uh, so talk to us for a little bit. I'm just going to kind of turn you loose. I'll interject a little bit and uh, maybe ask some questions or, or uh, just strengthen something that you say or whatever. But... Uh, just walk us through a little bit about what the Lord's put on your heart today for us on prayer. Yes. Well, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity. And I always love coming here to Bethel and enjoy uh, the services here whenever I can make it. But I was, I was thinking about prayer again because uh, last night I was watching the uh, presidential debates and we had all these candidates and they're... There was an interesting question at the end that where they asked, you know, what's your mission or what's your guiding principle? And all of them, they, they want to change the world. And they feel like they want to change the world by becoming president of the United States. And, of course, that's a very influential position and a lot of power. But I was thinking we can change the world. Mm-hmm. Just every, every one of us, individuals. And... We don't have to be president. We could be a teenager. We could be a senior citizen in a senior's home and have an impact on the world. That's, as I read the scriptures about prayer, that's what I see. And yet, so few of us pray. And it's uh, frequently an issue with uh, every church I've been a part of or 
to get people to pray, and yet here's such a great power. And so uh, I was just thinking about that yesterday, and I was thinking about Mark chapter 11, that is a really powerful passage about the topic of prayer. And uh, uh, could I go ahead and read that? And... The floor is yours, brother. All right. Well, let's... Uh, if you look at, uh, easy number to remember, Mark 11, 11, and it's the story of Jesus going to the temple after the Palm Sunday and, and the Hosannas, and so they went back to Bethany and where they were staying. In verse 11, it says, and Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple, so when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. <laughs> Think about that, you know. In the morning, he sees a fig tree. It doesn't have fruit, and he, he curses it. And I'm thinking, right. did he have his coffee? Or, you know, what's, right. That's nice, kind, gentle Jesus. And he's, he's yelling at this poor fig tree. So anyway, it goes on, and that was just the beginning of it. Verse 15, so they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Okay, so he starts out the morning cursing this little fig tree, goes in the temple, starts tearing the place apart, and you're thinking, what is going on? He's <laughs> having a rough day or something. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this Jesus that I once knew what happened to him? Who right. took him? But uh, there's really something powerful here and significant because as the story continues, he says in verse 17, Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. So you see this this strange story of this fig tree, yeah. and then he goes into the temple and he overturns everything there. And but he 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 quotes the Old Testament and he says, it, "My house is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer." Well, the story doesn't end there. In verse twenty, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering, said to him, "Rabbi, look." The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And what's striking about this, Mark, Mark uses a lot of uh, literary devices. And one of the things that he uses is something called inclusio, okay. where he, 
he mentions a, a topic or something, and then he goes to another topic, then he comes back to that first topic, and it's like a parenthesis, and the point is to, the focus is on the middle. And this is what's happening here. You had the fig tree, you had the house of prayer, uh, and then you had the fig tree, and there's this correspondence, a fig tree with no fruit that withered, and it's pointing to a, a house of prayer where there was no prayer. Right. And No miracles, no... Right. Uh, no move of God. And it was just, it just became a... a no spiritual fruit. Yeah. And so one was a tree with no fruit. Now you have a temple with no fruit, spiritual fruit. Right, exactly. And so it kind of, one of the things I think about here is that the people of God, which are represented by the fig tree, were fruitless because they were prayerless. Right. There was all kinds of stuff other than prayer going on there in the house of prayer. And so uh, you see this correspondence between fruit and prayer. So just interrupt there for a moment, because when I look at that text, it wasn't that there was an activity in the temple. There was lots of activity. Yeah. But the focus was on what's in it for me, but what they could get, right? Because yeah. they were buying and selling. They were exchanging. Right. So the attitude was an attitude of exchange. Mm-hmm. Like what... If I'm in this temple, what can I get out of it? Yeah. Good. But it wasn't like kingdom mindset. It wasn't like I'm here for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's 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 what's in it for me, right? right? My needs, my my own blessing or whatever. So lots of activity. We have lots of churches that have lots of activity. Yeah. But little spiritual fruit. Mm-hmm. Little people actually getting saved or filled with the spirit or real, you know, transform lives. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's kind of like you're saying, it's backwards where we're seeking things for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, God does want to bless us, but right. Jesus said elsewhere, seek first his kingdom, <coughs> right. and all these things shall be added unto you. Right. So I even think of the fig tree, because the fig tree was growing. I mean, there was a, it was a growing, it was a, but it wasn't bearing fruit. Right. Here you have a, a temple, a church, full of activity, but no spiritual fruit. Right. Jesus cursed the one, and he turned the tables over on the other. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I like to kind of break this down into a couple points. And the first one is that we learn that prayer is connected to productivity. So, yeah. uh, you know, the fruitfulness. Fruitfulness but, is... But productivity for the kingdom. Right. Because what I'm trying to get at is that like the there was like activity in the, in the in the temple, but it was all about um, what I can get. And prayer, yes, there is that place. Of course, we come and let our requests be made known to God. But prayer is really like, Lord, not my will, Your will be done. Like it's focusing on like a higher level of prayer, infantry level prayer. Mm-hmm. If I if I can say that, it's kind of focused on my needs, right? Yeah. But when we grow in maturity in the place of prayer. It's not so much, Lord, what I want, it's what you want. Knowing that if we seek first the kingdom, everything we need is going to be given to us. Exactly. Right? But we're, 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 we're promoting, like, we're, we're, instead of saying, Lord, here's my prayer list, Lord, what's your prayer list? Mm-hmm. What's, bur- what's burning your heart? What do you want to do here? Yeah. How can I be that standing up, that watchman, right? And that, actually, that's where the idea and thought of prophetic prayer comes in. Right. And it gets really 
powerful. Because when you speak about productivity, um, I mean, the temple was producing, but it was producing things that weren't of the Father's heart, right. not of the kingdom. You see in this passage, you see Jesus' passion. I mean, he's yeah. tearing the place apart. And his, his burden was that he wanted his house to be a house of prayer. Right. And so that kind of shows you the priority of prayer. That was my second P is the, the idea of priority that it, this is this is God's heart. This is what gives God joy. Yeah. And you read elsewhere in the New Testament and and even the Old Testament, there's a correspondence between prayer and incense. How it's this pleasing aroma to the Lord, how it's such a pleasing thing. And uh, when we pray, we are blessing him. We are, it's just such a deep passion in his heart. And then the idea of the kingdom, that this prayer is so essential to the advancement of the kingdom. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, I urge, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, I urge first of all that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, again, you see God's heart for prayer. Right. And, and the priorities, what, what should the priorities be? The kingdom, he's thinking about the kingdom. He's thinking about um, you know, people coming into relationship with him. Yeah, his prayer is, he urges us that we pray for all, and then the concluding line is that all will come into the knowledge of the truth. Right. Right? And then, of course, in that, praying for leaders and all that. But, again, it's focusing on what God is wanting, mm-hmm. not just what I'm wanting. Yeah. And yeah. and then you see him come back, and actually it's there's that parenthetical statement, the fig tree, house of prayer, fig tree. But actually, it's almost like an A, B, A, B, because you got fig tree, house of prayer, fig tree. Then he f- wraps up with this uh, powerful verse about moving mountains with prayer and that we have that power to move mountains, that we can affect people's destinies and see the gospel advanced and see the kingdom advanced. And there's incredible power in prayer. And I've seen this work. I yeah. mean, we've seen this um one of I've always tried to make prayer a priority wherever we've been, but some of my most memorable stories are when I was a campus minister, a missionary to the University of Michigan. Okay. And we used to, I was struggling with this little group. We could barely get 15, 20 students uh, involved on a regular basis, and we'd be reaching out. And, and finally, I came to this point, you know, we need to pray. We just need to pray more. And so we we agreed as a group, little group, that every Friday we're going to fast lunch and we're going to meet at 4 o'clock for prayer. And then in the evening we have our weekly meeting, our gathering. Yeah. So we started praying. And and this is where this whole thing of the prophetic starts coming in. And uh, where God starts sharing you know, what's on his heart, what he wants dealt with. And so we, they really got a passion for this. And we all fill up a dorm room with 20 kids in it and on the three on the bunk bed and four below and just hoping it doesn't cave in <laughs> and people sitting on top of dressers and, and we would pray and one time the Lord 
spoke to us. We're praying and the Lord says to us, and we don't even know what it means, except we were having trouble uh, getting promo out to the dormitories and such. And we just heard the Holy Spirit say, pray against the spirit of immorality over the dorms. Mm. And it was just such a clear word, and it didn't even make a lot of sense to me at the time. But we, we said, well, this is what I hear the Lord saying. What do you guys think? Yes. So we start praying. The very next day, that's Friday, Saturday, I'm watching TV. I'm, I'm sitting down to dinner. I put on the local news. And on the news, the first story was the state police escorting the director of housing for all of University of Michigan. The, that night, the night before, they had a break in a case. They were watching him, and he was selling drugs in the dormitories, the head of housing. Wow. And removed him. Okay. And, uh, and I'm sitting here watching my prayers literally being answered. But this is the, the, the key, what happened after that. So we went back to the housing uh, office to see if we could get posters up. Can we put posters up for our meetings? And they said, no. I thought, oh, nothing's changed. They said, no, give us the posters. We'll put them up for you. And things just broke wide open. We were able to have meetings in the dormitories. We were able to have Bible studies, worship times. It was just... a sudden transformation, a mountain was moved. Wow. And as a result, students had access to the gospel, had access to, to the kingdom, and, and it was just amazing. And I just see that all the time. I've seen that in so many cases. So how do you tap into uh, this prophetic praying? Um, like, how do you know when God is directing you? I mean, I'll just say for me, and then you can... Maybe, maybe it'll be the same or maybe different. Mm-hmm. Like when I get into his prayer, I just first like put some worship music on or just like, like try to get myself out of the whatever my activity, what's in my brain, and just start focusing on the Lord. Just start worshiping him. Mm-hmm. Like our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And just focus, Lord, I just bless you. I worship you. You know, we come into his presence with praise and thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as, as I just feel God's presence, anointing, and not every time I feel something special, but, you know, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Now, when I pray in the Spirit, of course, even the Bible says our spirit prays and our mind is unfruitful, right? I mean, Scripture tells us right. this. So it's very possible to be praying in the Spirit and your mind is, can be somewhere else, you know? But I'm thinking, Lord, like my prayer, even as I'm praying in the Spirit, is, Lord, give me ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Like, what, what is it that you're praying? Because it's our Spirit's praying, but it's the Holy Spirit that's giving the promptings, right? As we pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. And so sometimes things just come into my mind. Now, sometimes I know it's just natural things. Oh, I'm supposed to pick up something on the way home or whatever, right? And so, like, this, this is that unfruitful part or whatever, right? <laughs> So things come into my mind, and I'll even just so they just write it down so I won't forget or be you know just then let it go. Once I write it down, I'll, I'll remember and I, I don't have to keep it in my brain or you know. Um, but then sometimes maybe somebody comes into my mind or a situation. I just start praying about that, mm-hmm. and if if I if I feel like um, a surge or an unction, I use the term unction. Um, I'll keep going with that. If I don't. Then I'll just pray something and then kind of move on. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so, so maybe it's just some thoughts that I've had. I'll just pray. So what's the worst I'm doing? I'm praying about things, right? right? I mean, I'm not, 
So I might have a few people in the church or situations or whatever. I just think something comes to my mind. Lord, I just I just start praying for that. But there are times when like like something comes to my mind almost like out of nowhere, and I feel like the spirit in it. Yeah, I feel that unction, mm-hmm. and I begin to start praying those things. And I think that's kind of what happened with your prayer group. If I if I be so bold and just to say that. You got this word "pray against immorality," like it came out of nowhere. You right. said, right? Yeah, that's and then as you, I guess you guys really started praying into that, not even knowing mm-hmm. what you're actually accomplishing. Exactly. Yeah, is that kind of how it works for you too, or uh... it's similar? I get uh, it seems to work for me where I get this phrase that comes out of nowhere, or even <coughs> a picture in my mind uh, that seemingly comes out of nowhere. Uh, as we're praying, and there is kind of this sense of uh, this is the Lord. I was just telling my church Sunday that uh, how do you know, how do you hear the voice of the Lord? How do you know it's the Lord? Yeah. And so, you know, I I was telling them I could describe my wife to anybody, you know. She's the prettiest woman in the room, number one. She's got (laughs) green eyes. She's, you know, five, nine, and brown hair, and that's easy to do. But how do you describe her voice? You know, how do you describe a voice of someone? Yeah, good, uh, sure. Alto, soprano. <laughs> it's a girl's voice, I yeah. guess. I see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, but, but how do you describe, how do you know a voice? It's familiarity. Right, good. Familiarity. And the more you hear the voice, the more the more you recognize it. Absolutely. And so that's really where the word comes in. And and a daily discipline of being in the Bible and reading the Bible and you you hear his voice in the scriptures. And so when then when you hear his voice while praying, it's familiar. And it's like, oh that's you, Lord. Right. And you can pray. Just even this last Sunday, the strangest thing happened to me. I I was praying for people at the altar and um and a young lady came forward. In fact, she's from Sarnia. And, uh, and we were praying for a health issue. And the person praying with me got a word for her about uh, how you like to dance, don't you? And her eyes just bulged wide open. I think this was her second time in church ever. And she was shocked. And, and she laughed. She said yes. And so went on with that. Meanwhile, I'm getting this thing of... You need to forgive everybody you know. And that's not like me, but there was just this strong sense. I couldn't let go of it, but I was too scared to say anything because, you know, she's just new in the church, and I'm telling her to do something pretty uh, significant. It could be emotionally, you know, intense. Uh, but finally, I just, uh, after my prayer partner was done praying, I, I, I shared that with her. And she still, her eyes were wide open, but she didn't say anything. So anyway, all afternoon, I'm just freaking out. I'm thinking, you know, I, maybe I touched too close a nerve. Right. And that evening, before our, we have prayer meeting usually on Sunday nights, and I get a text from the, my prayer partner, and, and she said that this woman said to her, you guys hit her. How did you know that both of you? You just hit something right on the nose. And it's just, uh, I'm like, whew. <laughs> Sometimes it's a risk, you know. You, yeah. you have to step out and, uh, and things. Uh, but like I said, the voice is familiar enough, and you get to know it, and 
Right. And we just need to step out, take that little mustard seed of faith, right. and watch a mountain move. It's very true. I had a, I had a Bible school teacher, and he he taught me this principle. We we so often think we need a mountain of faith to move a mustard seed. <laughs> right. But Jesus said, you just need a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. Right. And sometimes that mustard seed of faith is just simply praying something out. Yeah. Just saying it. Just. Uh, Stepping out in a prayer, and, right? Uh, it, that's powerful, and it's yeah. uh, good. God love. I think He made prayer. Oh, this was another powerful uh, statement I heard from Bill Johnson. He said something to the effect of, uh, "I don't know if I can find that quote, but he talks about unanswered prayer." For example, sometimes we pray because, or we don't pray because the answer doesn't come right away. Right, and. Uh, that's a whole nother topic is the persistence and necessity of persistence in prayer. Right. But uh, it's interesting, isn't it interesting that, and I don't know if you found any scripture, there's no, seems to be no scripture that addresses the issue of unanswered prayer, except in the case of, uh, you know, if you're praying for your own lusts or whatever. Right. But really, the Bible doesn't address unanswered prayer. And what Bill Johnson is saying is that because prayer is never meant to be unanswered. Hmm. A lot of times it's just a matter of us needing to uh, continue to uh, press in and be persistent. Well, the challenge with prayer, of course, is that, uh, um, you know, the the spirit and the flesh work against each other. Mm -hmm. And it's taxing on the flesh to pray. Right. Right. Um, I'm all for worship songs, and I think when you combine worship and prayer, it's a great, powerful tool. Because worship, to me, like worship is like taking a breath in, and prayer is like giving a breath out. Mm-hmm. And when you have the both working together, you know, worship and prayer, you have that worship. But you know, how many people, how many churches have nights of worship? They'll get a whole whack of people that come out, mm-hmm. but you have a night of prayer, and precious few. Yeah. And uh, I think it's partly because people don't know if they feel like they know how to pray. And it's it's wearisome on the flesh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like God has to put something in our hearts. You know, it's amazing you can sit and read a book, you know, for half an hour, no problem. But you read the Bible for half an hour, you feel like you've made made this major <laughs> accomplishment. Right. Um, because the, the flesh lusts against the spirit against the flesh. And so there is a persistency that has to has to take place. And pushing through, mm-hmm. prayer begins with a desire, and, and the Holy Spirit has to put that in people, and then it becomes a discipline. But but if you if you stick with it, it becomes a delight. Like yeah. the 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 less you pray, the less you want to pray. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. Yeah, that's a great point. I, yeah, that makes me think of something I heard from Pastor Cho from South Korea, and I heard him speak many years ago, and he talked about. He's famous for having these three-hour prayer times, and we yeah. all, all as pastors, we, we dream about uh, being able to be so disciplined. But he he was so honest and transparent. He said, "You know that first hour, I hate it." <laughs> he says, "I hate it. I hate praying. <laughs> Don't ever want to pray again." But he says, then then he begins to move into another dimension, and um, and even his flesh settles down, and he he gets into a place where he begins to crave. Prayer, right? And I even think there's a passage I was trying to find. I don't know if it's, uh, I think it's Psalm 27, but 
where David says, he literally says his flesh cries out for the living God. Right. And that grabbed me. I was like, wait a minute. Um, he developed such a uh, consistent uh, time in the presence of God that he actually physically became addicted to God's presence. Yeah. If you could imagine that. Yeah, really I can actually. I, I've, um, I don't, you know, I, to some extent I've experienced that. I know of others uh, that are very perfect, and they have told me they've even physically felt like a pain or a burden, and they had to go pray to get that mm-hmm. released. Yeah, right. And the, and that yeah that that uh, or even your flesh. That's not the challenge we have today with most people. Most of us, though, the challenge is, of course, prayer. You know, Jesus said, "My house is to be a house of prayer," and you know, in churches today, it's like we got everything but prayer right. or or little prayer. And I think it was Ravenhill that said, uh, little prayer, little power, right. much prayer, like no prayer, no power, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power, right? Yeah. And, and you know, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. You think even when we gather together in a congregation, we'll have worship, we'll have preaching, and maybe a minute or two of uh, someone leads us in a prayer, but that seeking God uh, is not there, you know? Right. And back to the story that you were reading about with the Jesus cleansing the temple. You know, actually, I've done a comparison between First um, Chronicles chapter five and then the and then the cleansing of the temple. Like First Chronicles five, here's a church. This is when they're dedicating the temple. Um, this this uh, same temple. Um, well, so for, that was Solomon's temple, which destroyed. Then there was a rebuilding. So, but anyway, the second mm-hmm. temple, but the first temple. Uh, here's a group of people, they were in unity, they were sacrificing, they were uh, set apart, they were worshiping God, and the glory of God came down in a cloud. Even the priests yes. couldn't miss This is Old Testament, Old Covenant, right? Mm-hmm. This is before the fullness of the Spirit. Yeah. And then Jesus arrives at the same temple, it's a rebuilt temple, but, you know, and they're buying and selling, full of activity, Mm-hmm. But no spiritual power, no spiritual fruit. Yeah, they lost the vision. They lost the focus. You know, I, I was <laughs> telling my church this too Sunday. Um, you guys don't use smoke machines, do you? Here, no, we don't. Like, not we're not. It's no. I mean, okay. If we had a special th- reason to do it, it's not like we right. have a policy every against service. smoke machines. Yeah, but not every Good. service. So no. I can tell you this story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So anyway, you know, not, and not to criticize any church and any anybody who's trying to do anything for the Lord, praise God. But but it is this this idea of we depend on you know so many worldly things uh, and fill the church full of activity that we hope will stimulate people enough to keep them engaged and involved. And, and I was kind of kidding with our church. I was talking about the glory, the glory cloud. Yeah. I know you've had that happen here. And we did, actually. At Bethel and had an actual manifestation of the glory cloud. And, yeah. And I've heard of that in many cases, and I, I've never seen it myself. I've seen kind of a mist and things like that. But I was I was trying to say how, you know, what are we seeking after in the presence of God, the genuine presence of God where there's a glory cloud, and we don't have to rely on a fog machine. <laughs> right, sure. But, you know... It, it, it is so true that we, there's so much happening in the church world today 
when God says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It's right. interesting. It doesn't even say, my house shall be called a house of worship. Right. Or my house or shall preaching. be called a house of teaching. Or right. my house shall be called a house of evangelism. Even. Yeah. Because really all those things uh, will be birthed in prayer. Right. True worship. So we know that the house of God is to be, because obviously the Bible exhorts preaching and teaching, you know, right. and gathering together and worship. So we know all those components. But the core foundation has to be prayer. Right. And I think that's what we're saying, mm-hmm. uh, because you can be in a, have a, so much activity going on in your church or, you know, and, and appealing to using, whether you want to say the techniques of the world or, or techniques that appeal to the flesh to get people to, you know, have a crowd. Like, you know, in a lot of ways, it's not so hard to get a crowd. Mm-hmm. Just offer free stuff and, yeah. you know. Chicken and beer. Free and free pizza, whatever, you know. <laughs> you get a crowd, but what are, what are you actually producing, right. right? Now, the other side of it is all we have to do is pray and don't have to do anything creative, don't have to do anything with the excellence. Right. If we just pray, uh, you know, God will do it. Well, no, God is also looking for you to... Um, you know, engage and to be creative. And I mean, one of the first attributes of God is to be creative. But boy, powerful if you can bring... So we're not necessarily against smoke machines here. Right. Uh, hey, but in your in your smoke, make sure there's some fire, right? Make right. sure there's some fire of prayer. If you combine these two, it can be pretty powerful. And, and it's not even combining. It's, it's just that, like, the core... Ha- there has to be an undergirding of it all, of a, a river of prayer... In whatever we do, because at the end of the day, what we're doing is a spiritual work. It's not, you know, we're not running a hockey club here. We're not, we're not running, uh, you know, some entertainment thing right. or something, or a social club or a Lions club or whatever. It's a spiritual work. You know, back in my campus days, again, I'll, I had a real revelation at one point, and. So we were, I was riding through campus and it was Friday night and the fraternities were all having their parties and they had these big balloons and live bands and lights and all this stuff. And I came to this realization as I can't compete with that. I just don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I, I can't compete with that. But the one thing I have that they don't have is the presence of God right? and the supernatural workings of God. And uh, I just, uh, I'll never forget praying one day, just pray, Lord, yeah. speak to some of these kids in the uh, fraternity and just reveal yourself to them and draw them in. Right. And one Sunday I'm in church, and uh, at that time I was a campus minister in a church, and, and there was a new student I noticed there, so I went over to him and I said, hey, so, uh, you know, so what brought you here? He said, I don't know, it was Friday night, and I was just in, at a fraternity party, and all of a sudden I realized, I need to go to church. I need God. Wow. <laughs> in the middle of a fraternity party. Yeah, yeah. And again, you see the power of prayer. Right. And he ended up just getting really on fire for the Lord. Right. And, and what these young people were experiencing in our meetings was the presence of God that I yeah. believe was really birthed in that prayer. And, and we did see ideas and, and uh, different creative things that God would birth in those times of prayer and give us, you know, creative outreach sure. ideas and such. And, and uh, you, you look at some of the great uh, preachers of the past. They were 
dramatists. I mean, they right. were they were incredibly gifted. Oh yeah. Uh, Amy Semple McPherson. I mean, right. it was a production every right. Sunday, but yeah. it was birthed in prayer. But the anointing the was there. Yeah. The spirit of God was there. Yeah. So that's uh, you know that's and that's really the only thing I know that can bring that. Like even worship can just become entertainment unless it's birthed with prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, when Jesus, uh, we're going to end here in a couple minutes, but when Jesus cleansed the temple, to me, uh, when you read, read the text, and it's given in a few of the, of the Gospels, the same story. But uh, the first thing he did was, you know, he, he t- overturned the mind changers, overturned the tables. And what a picture of Jesus. We don't think <laughs> of him that, that way, but wow. Um, but what he was doing was trying to get the uh, their priorities right. Like these, this is a church that got its priorities wrong. Mm-hmm. They had obviously abandoned spiritual things or prayer, and it was all about what's in it for them and this exchange and lots of activity. But uh, they weren't they weren't passionate about what the Father wanted, the purpose of the temple, mm-hmm. caring for the poor, caring for people in need. Like seeing, they were just in it for what's in it for them. And Jesus had to flip the tables. To, to rearrange the priorities, right? Get their focus right. Yeah. And then what? Then as soon as he does that, he makes this declaration, my house is to be a house of prayer. So when the house of God gets its priorities right and gets prayer flowing, mm-hmm. the next thing that happened, it says that he healed the people. Then it says, then the blind, I'm not sure if it, I think, where, where were you, what uh, gospel were you reading from? Uh, Mark. Mark. I think maybe it's in Matthew. But it says, then the blind and the lame and the, and the you know, the, the, the came to him and he healed them all. And then the next thing that happens, it talks about this perfected praise that comes from the mouths of uh, babes and like, nursing infants and babes and the children are giving God praise. So what I see, Pastor Joe, in that text, pretty powerful, when the church got its priorities right and restored prayer, like the hunger for the presence of God in prayer, Miracles start happening, and it touches a youth generation because mm-hmm. the kids start praising God. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and then of course the Pharisees were rebuking that, right? And um, the religious, you know, religion doesn't wants things always to stay the same and comfortable, but you know, uh, yeah. So it's that's powerful what you're giving to us here today. The, the fig tree, Jesus cursed it. And, you know, look, Jesus is expecting fruit in our lives. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> so. You know, I, I just got to jump on when you were talking about kids. Yeah. And young people and how that, you know, fruitfulness among the younger generation for the kingdom because of prayer. You know, I, I notice we're missing a generation in a lot of churches today, that college-age generation, the young adults, and they're missing. They, they're in youth group, and then they go to college, and they disappear. But there's one movement that seems to have the hold of that age group, and that's the prayer movement. Okay. Whether it's the International House of Prayer or the things Lou Engel's been doing. and Youth, uh, young, uh, college-age people. And that's the one place that seems to be where, where we're seeing uh, people come into relationship with God is in, this, in, in the whole prayer movement. So there is a sensitivity I believe kids have, young people have, 
and that prayer opens their hearts unlike anything else. And, and they, I think we underestimate their spirituality yeah. and that when we are ex- moving in the spirit, they, they connect with that. Now, Pastor Joe, I believe, have you not written a book or you're writing a book? I don't know if it's been published yet about how to lead a prayer movement or, or corporate prayer times. Is this... Uh... Yeah, it's, uh, it's right now tentatively titled Joyful in the House of Prayer. Okay. And so it hasn't been published yet. It hasn't been. It's, uh, it should have been about 10 years ago. <laughs> okay, so you're a little behind. <laughs> I have a little brochure I call uh, having prayer meetings that don't stink. I mean, there's some All right. there's some uh, principles to make a prayer meeting good, and I do I do address those issues. Uh, having visited some of the great places like Brooklyn Tab or uh, uh, yeah Brooklyn Tabernacle, yeah. And, uh, James River Assembly, and others that really give a priority to prayer, and uh, and so I I notice some common denominators. And so I, I put a book together, and, and there's different you know, different aspects to prayer. There's structured prayer meetings, and I think they need to be structured well, and they and uh, leaders need to be prepared. I think right. sometimes we're too lax in prayer, and just well, let's just show up and pray. Right. But a lot of people aren't at that place. They need structure. They need some guidance. But when you mature more in in the area of prayer, and you have people who have that gift of intercession. Uh, it's almost better to not have a whole lot of structure and let them flow in that prophetic realm. And, sure, and, I got uh, you. Pray in the spirit. And, yeah. And so yeah, hopefully well, I'd I'll love get to that hear. Out. I'd, I'd like to have you come back and uh, do another podcast with us in uh, a few weeks, and uh, let's pick up on more in some of this thing about prayer and maybe even some specific things that you've learned and and that you've implemented into strategies for prayer mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a bit more about the prophetic and things like that. And yeah. what's the one thing, as we just close here, uh, what's, a, what's a prayer thing that's just in your heart these days as you're now in your third year at Port Huron and your heart for the region and Michigan and, and uh, for us here? And, but what's, uh, what's kind of one of the, th- the things that's on your heart as far as prayer goes right now? Well, I, it's I just don't give up. Yeah. And uh, you know, I have to constantly bring myself back to that place of reminding myself how important prayer is, and looking at at the testimonies and how God has answered prayer. And, and it's just one of those things that kind of s- seems to slip. But I ha- I'm 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 refreshed in the area of prayer right now in my life, and I'm Beautiful. seeing how God is. Answering in this church in Port Huron, when I came, there was one guitarist and three or four singers, and it was like that for the longest time. Then the guitarist left, (laughs) (laughs) so I had to pick up my guitar, and it was me and these three, and and we led worship for a year or so. And I'm like, wait, this can't happen. And my wife wisely told me, she said, "Well, do what you always do, what you always talk about." So what? Pray. <laughs> Pray about it. Let's let's really get intense in prayer about this. Right. And we started very specifically praying, God, send us instrumentalists. Send us more singers. Yeah. Now we can almost uh, have, in our little church, we can almost have two worship teams. Wow. We've got so many musicians that... You prayed them in. Yeah. They li- yeah. It, it's a miracle. It's one of the most visible... Uh, 
evidences of the power of prayer in our church because our church knows we prayed for that right and now our we almost got more people on the platform than the <laughs> congregation now you got to pray some people in the in the congregation but you are and your church is growing and uh you know what? We love you and bless you. I'm so thankful for our friendship and partnership in the gospel. And thanks for being a part of this podcast today. And uh, we'll look to have you another time down the line. And I want to hear more of your testimony as well. And uh, maybe from time sure. to time we can do this. I, this is an experiment for me for a little while, a season of doing these weekly podcasts. It's really to uh, interview people in our church and just hear their testimonies. Mm. Back in the day, we used to have testimony service, mm. but yeah. oftentimes people go too long or get a little goofy <laughs> with whatever, and you just can't take the time to really get into somebody's story. Mm-hmm. And there's some incredible stories. Everybody's got a great story. If yeah. if you've got salvation, you've got a great story. Mm-hmm. So bless you, uh, Pastor Joe, and uh, we'll uh, for those who are listening today, we just pray you'll have a wonderful day. And you know, just remember, too, so I know a lot of people say, you know, I'm not really a prayer. I, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk. You know how to listen. Prayer is just talking to God. You don't have to use fancy words. You don't have to use King James language. You don't have to just talk to God like you're like you'd be talking to somebody. And just obviously do it with with reverence and respect. But you just say, Lord, I come to you. Here's my heart. And the more you do it, the more you grow in it, and the more you hear his voice, and the more it becomes a, a, a passion of your, of your heart and your life. And so, uh, and then even ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me a desire. Holy Spirit, teach me. You know, even the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. What a great prayer to pray. Lord, teach me to yes. pray. And uh, God will honor that prayer. So blessings, everyone, on your day. Until next week, have a, have a great day.